Acting DG, sorry about that. I think you may proceed. I'm told the problem is now sorted. Um, sorry about that. All right, you may proceed, sir. Thank you. Th thank you, Chairperson. Chairperson, your guidance, please. Should I start at the beginning or comments where I left off? Oh, no, no, no. You can proceed from here. It's, it's fine. Um, they are all fast readers. They'll, they'll, they'll catch thank up. You. No thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Uh, so, Chairperson, I think the, the, the important thing to note for the purpose of today's presentation is that the, the Standing Committee on Public Accounts issued a report on the 17th of November 2020 pursuant to its visit to the Border Post uh, on the 4th to the 6th September. And we are here to report uh, our initiatives with respect to implementing the recommendations of that particular report of 17 November 2020. In this regard, we appeared before the committee on the 2nd of February uh, 2021 uh, where we briefed on the progress with regard to implementation of SCOPA's recommendations. And we also issued a report, um, the March report during April, where we briefed further on the continuing progress with respect to the implementation of the recommendations of the Standing Committee on Public Accounts. So, Chairperson, to go into the detail, there are a set of recommendations we shall go through. Uh, in fact, there are, there are 10 recommendations in all and I'll deal with them separately. The first recommendation, Chairperson, it talks to the Memorandum of Understanding, is a review to clarify the roles and responsibilities of the Department of Defense, the DPWI, as well as the Department of Home Affairs. And Chairperson, in this regard, the MOU has been finalized by the Department and is with the Department of Defense for signature, and other role players will follow. In fact, we've also engaged the Department of Environmental Affairs and Forestry and Fisheries in this particular aspect because they also have a role to play with respect to border security and border fences, especially in the farming areas. So we're engaging other role players as well, and the separate MOU will be concluded with Home Affairs that includes the Border Management Authority, specifically with respect to land ports of entry and the broader border environment. In this regard, on the 22nd of April 2021, the department had an engagement with the Department of Home Affairs. Uh, this meeting included the Border Management Authority, and we agreed to meet later uh, in June. And apparently, I'm told that this meeting has now been set up for the 21st of May uh, 2021 to deal further with uh, border posts and the relationship between the department and the Department of Home Affairs, the Border Management Authority, focusing especially on uh, the land ports of entry. Uh, Chairperson, we did report previously as well that we engaged the JCPS 
uh, class the directors general on the 25th of February, and we presented our overall holistic approach in, in, in responding to the border environment and to articulate the respective roles and responsibilities of all the stakeholders, including the Department of Home Affairs. And if I can also mention the Department of Defense, the state security agencies, and all players in the border environment. The cluster supported our request to go out to the public with a request for information to obtain best practice borderline and patrol road solutions in support of the Department of Defense to develop a fit for purpose specification for the border fence. In this regard, Chairperson, since our last briefing, we've now put out the request for information. This took place on the 28th of March, 2021. The request for information closed on the 26th of April, 2021. We've received 16 proposals from uh, interested members of the public. And we are now convening a bid evaluation committee to evaluate these bids. And these are scheduled to finalize their work at the latest June 2021. Uh, and we've been uh, requested by the minister to fast track this process uh, and complete it even sooner. So we, we were looking to complete it within a month, uh, provided uh, we are able to put together the necessary experts in this regard, I'd like to mention that uh, we are onboarding capacity from ESA. Uh, ESA has a panel of experts uh, recruited from uh, among the members of the public. Uh, and from this panel, we are hoping to, to engage uh, members of the BIT Evaluation Committee to put together um, the particular team to conclude and provide a portfolio of options to the Department of Defense uh, with respect to uh, BESFIT. Uh, regarding border fence solutions and for the Department of Defense as our client to then uh, make a selection on how uh, they want to proceed with respect to the border fence solutions. The procurement process will also be underpinned by proper due diligence and the use of property auditors. So, Chairperson, uh, our at the level of advancement with respect to the MOU and working with our partners uh, in putting together a border fence solution is, is working well and at an advanced stage. Moving on from there, I move on to item number two, is that all physical defects are rectified in line with all applicable regulations. This is the recommendation of the committee. And in this regard, we previously reported a technical condition report has been finalized and the fence in its current form is not fit for purpose. And the department has taken a decision not to undertake any repairs to the fence as this will constitute wasteful expenditure. Uh, so, Chairperson, moving on to recommendation number three. Recommendation number three uh, is where the committee recommended that the legal action is taken against implicated companies and processes to recover monies are paid, monies paid are set in motion. Now, Chairperson, in this regard, I want to make a reference mainly to the SIU. They are responsible for driving a number of the processes with respect to recovery. And the SIU had launched an application on the 23rd of September 2020 to freeze the bank accounts of the service providers. And ultimately, um, on the 17th of November, the SIU also instituted legal action against both companies, the contractor, Magua Construction, as well as the principal agent to consult and prof team with a special tribunal of the SIU under case number GP17-2020. And the main relief sought, Chairperson, uh, uh, in the application is a declaration of invalidity of the contracts concluded between the DPW and the two respondents. 
The application was opposed and the matter was uh, enrolled to argue jurisdiction, which was then raised as a point in limine. The matter was heard on the 26th of January, 2021 in the tribunal and the tribunal on the 25th of February, 2021 dismissed the respondent's point in limine and the matter will then proceed in the absence of any appeal. Now, with respect to summons for losses and any damages suffered, uh, will be issued once the tribunal declares the contract invalid. So it's in progress. The contractors also approached the SIU. We were briefed by the SIU and, and requested that the parties consider an out-of-court settlement. However, we've not heard any developments in this regard. Um, and the SIU and the respondents have now held what they call the case management meeting on the 3rd of May to exchange uh, information, filings, processes, and pleadings. And the SIU is in the process of applying for a formal case management meeting before a judge of the special tribunal. That will serve as a platform to then enroll the matter and then come before court. So the SIU, with respect to uh, civil matters, I, I've just briefed Jefferson. Moving on to the criminal matters, the, the SIU received correspondence from the NPA in March 2021, um, indicating that the matter was erroneously sent to Polokwane and transferred back to Pretoria. But the matter is still under review by the NPA and no criminal case has been registered to date. And a prosecutor and investigating officer will be appointed. So the matter is still under consideration uh, by the NPA and we have no progress in this regard, uh, Chairperson, with respect to the criminal charges against both these companies. Moving on from the criminal charges and civil uh, recovery processes undertaken by the SIU, yeah, recommendation number four um, uh, relates to the department requesting National Treasury to blacklist and monitor the principal agent and the main contractor from doing business with government in terms of the preferential procurement regulations of 2017. Chairperson, we've had uh, this process undertaken um, and the companies given an opportunity to, to state their case. And in the final analysis, Chairperson, I can uh, I can report that the contractor, uh, Magua Construction, acknowledged the receipt and they undertook to refer it. Uh, we've not received any uh, response from them or any defense uh, of our uh, claims that uh, we have intentions to restrict them. And our restriction committee met on the 4th of May 2021 and deliberated on this matter and resolved to refer this matter to national trade. With respect to the principal agent, Prof Team, Prof Team participated strongly in the process. They denied all the allegations, um, and the restriction committee considered uh, their responses and found them unacceptable and a poor defense uh, to the allegations made against them. Prof Team also suggested that we await the SIU process to, to, to conclude before taking decisions on restriction. Yeah. And our advice was that these are separate processes. The SIUs is a civil process, ours is the administrative process. And so we continued with the process of restricting the two companies from doing business with government. At this moment in time, our, uh, our request is with National Treasury. Uh, having concluded the, the work, um, we've requested National Treasury to now restrict these two companies from doing business with government for a period of 10 years. The National Treasury will ultimately rule on this matter. We await their processes to conclude before reporting further. Thank you, Chairperson. And moving on to item number five. The item number five is a request 
uh, for the contracts of the principal agent and the main contractor for the department to be terminated with immediate effect. At Jefferson, the last time we engaged, we had asked our internal audit unit to conduct an audit on all the contracts undertaken uh, by both uh, these two uh, service providers, Mark Wine and Prof Team. And uh, on slide number nine, we have um, the scope of work being undertaken by the uh, audit unit on a sample basis. And uh, they relate mainly to three different areas. So the, the one is to ensure there's proper uh, due diligence and proper processes followed in the procurement of the two companies and the award of contracts to the two companies and that all the rules and processes are complied with. Second is to establish whether or not proper delivery took place under the terms of the contract and that all the terms and conditions of the contracts were complied with. Uh, and thirdly as well is to conduct a physical verification of all the construction sites attended to by these two companies to ensure that the work took place in a proper and procedural manner. In Chairperson, there are a number of other items as well of an internal control nature regarding uh, project management and contract monitoring, uh, which are also included as part of the scope that refer to the 10 items on slide number nine. And it appears uh, that it's more than uh, looking at those three areas, but also looking, about inter looking at internal controls and the manner in which the contracts are managed. So that being the scope, Chairperson, I move on to the next slide, number 10, on the same particular um, item. And on slide number 10, I want to shortly reflect on the, 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 the contract administration for both Magwa as well as uh, Prof Team. Um, with respect to uh, the contract administration and our ability to cancel the contracts and to immediately terminate them, I want to, to mention that with respect to Magwa construction, the contracts are made subject to the provisions of the general conditions of contract for construction work, uh, which is developed by the South African Institute for Civil Engineers. And these, these contracts, they contain the relevant information that point to the circumstances under which contracts are terminated. In this regard, we have what they call the clause 9.24 of the GCC, which is the general uh, conditions of contract. Uh, and, and this particular uh, clause allows for immediate termination. And what it does is it, it requires and provides for the employer, which is DBW in this instance, to unilaterally terminate or cancel the contract, uh, provided we, uh, we meet certain requirements, which is items one, two, and three uh, in the next uh, paragraph. That should we cancel, uh, we are obliged to, to pay an amount of not exceeding 10% of the contract sum or 10% of the incomplete work or the contractor's actual damage. So these point to the fact that we are, are, uh, we are empowered to terminate the contract, but we will have to then pay a certain amount of compensation. So uh, that is uh, the conclusion we reach with regard to our ability to terminate that we're liable for damages as set out and uh, conceivably the amount payable would amount to 10% of the incomplete works. And moving on to the contract signed by Prof Team of the Department, this particular contract is different from the one stated previously by, signed by Magua Construction. This is managed by the Standard Professional Services Contract. The Magua Construction is the contractor dealing with the bricks and mortar, and, and Prof Team is the 
the consultant. So they're subject to the standard professional services contract of 2009 issued by the CIDB, the Construction Industry Development Board. And this particular contract chairperson and members of the committee does not include a clause allowing for immediate termination. And the, the parties are therefore bound by the termination provisions in the contract as they stand. And in this regard, clause 8.41 is applicable and what we, it provides that the uh, contract may be terminated under certain conditions. For example, the, 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 the DPW as the employer may terminate a contract where we no longer require the services, where funding is no longer available, or if the service provider does not remedy a failure or a breach within a certain period of time, being 30 days, if the service provider being prof team is insolvent, or if we encounter a force majeure, um, uh, such as uh, act of nature that prevents the parties from concluding the contract. So these are the circumstances under which a contract can be terminated. However, it would appear that they don't allow for immediate termination. And it may be argued that uh, we will still be held liable under the terms of the contract. Uh, one of the areas in which we may terminate is 8.41, where we no longer require the services. However, we've been advised that uh, the contractual clauses will still be enforceable by both parties. So this particular contract provides less scope for cancellation than being a prof team contract, just by way of background, Chairperson. Moving on to slide number 12, Chairperson, and members of the committee, these are the current contracts already awarded to the two companies. Uh, there are 30 in all, and uh, 19 to prof team, the principal agent of consultant, and 11 to Magua Construction. And all of these are land port of entry contracts. They are RAM contracts or repairs and maintenance contracts. And this is the stages at which they are at. Uh, one looks at um, the uh, prof team. Um, the contracts are at different stages. Six are at the final delivery stage. Uh, five are at practical completion. Four at the construction stage. Two at the earlier stage. These companies, uh, the principal agents, they provide the designs and they also oversee the tender processes. So this is not their tender. This is a tender of the contractor that they are overseeing and assisting the department to oversee. So four of these contracts are at an earlier stages, but it would appear that four, five, and six, in terms of status seven, six A and five B are approaching completion. So the larger part of their contracts are approaching completion with four of these of the 19 at the earlier stages of tender stage and design stage. Moving on, uh, Chairperson and members of the committee to Magua Construction and their 11 contracts. And what is apparent is that all their contracts, all 11 are at the concluding stages, the construction stage, the practical completion and final delivery stages. So that is the stages of completion of these contracts. And moving on to slide 13, Chairperson uh, and members of the committee uh, to talk to the audit itself and the outcome of the audit thus far. The audit team selected a sample of 20% of active contracts for both service providers to look at the procurement processes and they were properly undertaken and, and, and appointments were correctly done under both circumstances. They're expecting to conclude this by the 14th of May. With respect to the contractor delivery according to required standards, they've selected a third of all contracts awarded to the three companies, the two companies at least, that's 10 contracts. And with respect to inspection of construction sites, they have chosen seven sites that they visited and they, and they are looking to visit the remainder of the sites by the 12th of May. And uh, Chairperson, uh, in terms of the work completed so far, 
uh, the internal audit unit reports that there is no material finding noted so far that warrant the termination of the contracts. And the internal audit process, the remaining work will be completed by the 31st of May, 2021. So Chairperson, our analysis of this particular area is that these contracts are on the verge of being concluded, that it's not in the department's interest to seek uh, any termination, given the audit finding uh, and the absence of any breach on the part of the two companies, as well as our need to keep our land ports of entry functioning until their con contracts are concluded. Moving on to item number six, Chairperson, members of the committee, on the next slide, slide number 14, uh, we talk to the vetting of supply chain management personnel. Now here, Chairperson, we, we, we work in partnership with the State Security Agency, and the business uh, model that applies is that uh, departments uh, deploy vetting field units, is what they call vetting field units. We conduct uh, the, the, the basic uh, elements of the security clearance process, collection of documents, uh, and the final analysis and the decision-making is conducted at the level of the state security agency. So it's very much a partnership between one and the other in terms of the workflow. And now, in terms of uh, the vetting process, uh, the department has already vetted and issued clearances with the uh, direction of the SSA for 160 SCM officials. And these include members of our bid committees. And no official was denied a clearance here. But having done the 160, a total of 230 SCM officials still need to be vetted. Um, and the department is targeting March 2022 to complete these processes. The minister has requested we fast track this, that even though we have a dependency on the state security agency, that we begin to complete our aspect or our component of the vetting process, which is the field, the field work and a vetting field unit work before uh, uh, the, the, the March 2020, 2022 deadline. We've started the process with SAA, SSA to, to commence vetting at our regional offices and move from one to the other. Uh, and we've started Bloemfontein in Jefferson. The Bloemfontein regional office has got 54 SCM and BIT committee members. 10 still have valid clearances. 12 secret, top secret files have been completed and sent to SSA for further handling and 32 are still outstanding and are targeted for completion by June 2021. Once completed, the next regional office will comment. Uh, in terms of our discussions with the, the minister, uh, we've uh, resolved to complete 20 files per month in DBW, that is the, the field work, um, in preparation for feeding this in the production line to SSA. Uh, whether or not they are ready to accept these files and conclude their processes would be a different matter. But as DPW, we will conclude these matters at the rate of 20 per month so that we are ready uh, well in advance of the June or at least the, the March 2022 deadline. So, uh, Chairperson, this is our process. The, it has a dependency on the State Security Agency. And in the department, we are fast-tracking the process to ensure that we can complete uh, the entire vetting for all SCM and BIRT committee members by March 2022. Moving on from slide number 14, uh, Chair, I'm moving on to the recommendation of SCOPA that all reasonable steps are taken before money is owed to the state can be written off as irrecoverable. And this uh, recommendation is related to the SIU processes. Uh, and I'd like to uh, recall that the department placed a moratorium on all payments to the service providers uh, very early uh, on, the, on the 25th. 
of uh, April 2020. And uh, the pending legal recovery action of the SIU is in progress. And uh, through the SIU, the department is claiming the full amounts paid to the service providers as fruitless and seeking to, 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 to uh, declare the contracts as invalid. So what we are claiming in terms of the recommendation from the standing committee is the full amounts paid thus far. And the department will then await the court outcome, uh, which is essentially the tribunal, uh, before concluding on this recommendation. Moving on to slide number 16, and uh, slide number 16, uh, 17, and 18, talk to consequence management. The recommendation is that consequence management against all implicated officials is carried out with adequate sanctions. Uh, Chair, just uh, to, 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 to recall once again, uh, there are 13 officials involved. And um, of the 13 officials, two are employed in terms of Section 12 and 12A of the Public Service Act. The discipline for those two officials is not dealt with by the department. The one is dealt with by the presidency chairperson, as you mentioned in your introduction, will be dealt with separately. And the second person is a ministerial advisor, uh, and, and this will be uh, dealt with by the minister. And uh, going further, Chair, just by way of, uh, of uh, uh, recalling, on the 9th of September uh, 2020, the minister wrote to the presidency in this regard, and uh, the charges with respect to paid, which were also added to the charge sheets of the suspended director general. And uh, that will be dealt with through the process uh, that you mentioned in your introduction, Chair. And with respect to the disciplinary action of a special advisor, I'm reporting on behalf of the minister that the state attorney is, is, is managing this process on behalf of the minister. And the minister served a letter to, to her advisor in September 2020, informing her of the intended charges uh, with respect to the findings of the border, uh, Patriot Border Post report. Uh, the, the individual concerned Ms. Whitehead acknowledged the receipt of the letter. The minister requested the state attorney to appoint the initiator and chairperson for the process, and they were both appointed by the state attorney. Draft charges were prepared uh, with respect to Ms. Whitehead, and the minister has since interacted with the initiator on the 9th of September, 9th of December 2020, the 27th of February 2021, and 1st April 2021. I imagine the minister will also add uh, to this uh, to this brief chairperson. Then I move over to the staff uh, chair, those that are within the domain of the department. And the state attorney and the council were instructed to finalize all charges in, in, in February. And the charges were served on all the officials. Uh, a hearing was held on the 8th of March, 2021, where the parties agreed on hearing dates of the 21st to the 24th of April, 2021, as well as the 4th to the 6th of May, 2021. And a pre-hearing meeting was also held on the 30th of March between the department and the representatives of the parties. And, and, and certain agreements were reached with respect to exchanging documents. Now, moving on from there into the hearings themselves, Chairperson, uh, and members of the committee, the employees uh, were given a further opportunity to request particulars um, on the 10th and 13th of April, and, and for the department to respond by the 16th and 17th of April. The, 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 the employees' parties did not actually request any further information. This concession was made given at the time uh, a lot of dispute uh, and argument around access to documentation, access to reports, uh, access to investigation outcomes. So these were dealt with successfully. 
and then the hearings of members of the Bird Adjudication Committee was scheduled for the 21st to the 24th of April 21, and, and the hearing proceeded with the DPW leading witnesses for three days on the procurement process. Uh, so we've already had hearings for three days for the first category of the Bird Adjudication Committee members. And I should have mentioned that with respect to the staff members of the department, we put them into two groups. Those members of the Bird Adjudication Committee and the senior officials who are overseeing and managing the process. And at the moment, I'm talking about the members of the Bird Adjudication Committees that we've had hearings for three days. And the matter has now been moved from the 14th to the 18th of June 21 for further cross-examination of witnesses. And there are three more witnesses for the department who are yet to testify. And I'd also like to mention, Chairperson, some of the delays here is also the reluctance of some of our witnesses to testify and resulted in, uh, in concerns and even delays to the process. And moving on from there, Chairperson, I'd like to talk about the, the, uh, the senior officials, that is the remaining senior officials, three of them, that the hearings of these officials were scheduled for the 4th to 6th of May, However, these were postponed on the first sitting due to the failure of the legal representative of one of the officials to attend. And we indicated that they were launching a court application on behalf of this particular individual, arguing that the matter should not proceed. Uh, there was a ruling that the matter will proceed. So on the next day, on the 5th, um, uh, the hearing continued. Uh, and the chairperson directed that on the 5th, they should continue. But during this hearing of the 5th, which is the second day, the, uh, the, the, the legal representative um, of one of the officials served the chairperson and the department with a court application to, among others, review and set aside the directive of the minister, which uh, uh, initiated the repair of the border fence. And also, uh, uh, in the application, there was a request for a declaratory order that the minister convened certain sections of the executive ethics code and to review and set aside the investigation report itself. And therefore, by setting aside the investigation report is to set aside all disciplinary hearings. And on that ground, the legal representative of one of the senior officials requested postponement of the hearing pending the finalization of the squad process. So let's share this to recap. We have the, the hearings of the SCM officials, which is proceeding. And then we have the three other officials who have a different role who managed and oversaw the process. Uh, and two of them ready to proceed and the one taking this matter to court to prevent it from continuing. So Chairperson, in this regard, the Chairperson invited all the parties to, to make arguments um, and on the fifth to make arguments uh, pursuant to the request to postpone the hearings uh, as a result of this court application and uh, he reserved judgment to the following day, which was the 6th. So we made argument and the department took a view that the hearing should continue uh, as there was no court ruling in this regard, uh, just an application. And on the 6th, the chairperson uh, of the hearing ruled that the disciplinary action is postponed since the day uh, indefinitely pending the finalization of the court application. And in the view of the chairperson, the department will not suffer any prejudice if postponement is, uh, is granted, and the DPW may then proceed with disciplinary action if the application is not granted in favor of the particular individual. Um, so the proceedings were then adjourned, the chairperson, indefinitely, given the court application, and the department is still continuing its uh, options in this matter to enable the uh, proceedings to, to unfold. And our head of legal services is present and I imagine that he will 
comment in this regard as well. So, Chairperson, moving on to item number nine, that the investigation reports are submitted to SCOPA uh, and regular reports are submitted. The investigation report was submitted uh, last year, uh, and we also appeared on the 6th of October, the 2nd of February, and we submitted the March progress report during April, and uh, we appear today, and we will continue to submit progress reports as we move forward and until this matter is concluded. And finally, Chairperson, recommendation number 10, uh, is that uh, the SANDF deploys optimally to perform their mandate of border management and security. And in this regard, the DPW engaged the DOD very early on the need to increase their presence on the borderline in terms of their own mandate to protect the territorial integrity of the Republic and to maintain and secure the borderline. And uh, in this regard, uh, ministerial interaction took place on the 4th of April, 2020, and the 26th of January 2021. And the DPW also sent letters to the Secretary of Defense on the 27th of April 2020, requesting the DOD to intensify patrols in this regard. Uh, and the matter was also addressed by the Department of Defense at the time. So, Chairperson, I'd like to recommend that the Standing Committee on Public Accounts notes our progress on the implementation of the recommendations of the report of this committee pursuant to its visit to the Baitbridge uh, border fence between the 4th and the 6th of September, and also to note the ongoing progress we've achieved in implementing this, uh, these recommendations. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. All right. Um, thank you very much, uh, Acting DG. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, Honorable Fanminen um, will be the first one, and then Honorable Dex, and then Honorable Mente. Uh, I mean, then we will we will get responses. Okay, Honorable Fanminen, over to you. Thank you very much, Chair. And um, yeah, so we're back with our our next parliamentary term. I have got several questions here. Um, a lot of this is quite concerning. So, right, let's start with recommendation one. The estimated date regarding the MOU for the roles and responsibilities concerns me. And this relates as well to recommendations two and to recommendations 10. We got some very unsatisfactory responses from the Minister of uh, Defence regarding essentially facilitation of illegal entry. And so it's incredibly important that this MOU actually does get signed as soon as possible and that the optimum um, conduct is in fact performed by the Department of Defense. So I really would like to have some more clarity on that. I think it's important. As well as the specifications for the border fence and the border control, will it include because you mentioned that the Department of Defense is a client. Will it include a maintenance budget, as it appears that part of the problem uh, with the current fence is the fact that the department informed us there was no maintenance budget set aside by the Department of Public Works. So how is that going to work? Because I think it's clear to all of us that when there are ingresses and when damage happens, that damage has to be repaired very quickly before any other issues occur. In terms of recommendations three, 
the out-of-court settlement, would that have any effect on the criminal proceedings? Already the public prosecutor is, is holding back. I just want to know how that would interact with each other. Recommendation six, the time for the vetting. I mean, March 2022 is almost two years or well, a year away. That is, that is a long time when we see how rapidly the issue of the fence developed last year. So we really do need a better time on that. And then my final issue here, recommendation eight. I'm really deeply concerned about this disciplinary procedure. So what we're seeing is a postponement sine die pending the finalization of the court application to, did you say it was to review the disciplinary? I think we need quite a lot of clarity on that because certainly we have seen in this committee that disciplinary inquiries end up if not actually being buried, being postponed so long that everything eventually falls away, people leave the department and essentially they escape scot-free. So it's good and well to say that it's been postponed to an idea. We have to ensure that we get updated regularly on that to this committee so that this doesn't just end up fading like the morning mist because this is something that is very, very pertinent. Thank you very much. Okay, Honourable Turks. Chair, sorry, sorry about it, Chair. Chair, I just wanted some clarity and uh, depends on the clarity, I was going to ask a question, but uh, I think that you take all the questions uh, in one go, then it'll be responded to. Uh, I just want, I've been in and out, so... I do not follow get this presentation too clearly, but I just want some clarity on the issue of of the, the charges against uh, the suspended um, director general. Did the presenters say that one of the charges against the suspended director general is the Baybridge uh, border fence? Is that one of the charges? Is that uh, against the direct, suspended director general? I just want clarity on that, and then I'll make a follow up later on. Thank you. Honorable Mentor. <clears throat> okay, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Uh, first thing, Chair, uh, I want to make a, a suggestion to uh, that can we, in a space of a week's time, get uh, consolidated reports from the SIU to report on the progress of out-of-court settlement, if they're going ahead with that or not. And also the number of cases the SIU had opened from its own side uh, with respect to this Bait Bridge matter. Where I want to, what I want to establish from that exercise, Chair, is that do we have both the companies involved as well as the officials involved? And since there are names of officials that have been indicated by uh, the department itself, are there any links of those names to those that uh, are criminally charged? 
That's number one. And then number two, NPA to give us its whole consolidated report on the criminal matters because one of the responses to um, a recommendation that uh, speaks to criminal cases is that the NPA has not issued a report. We need to know when are they issuing a report and when are they charging? They actually, to quote verbatim, the acting DG is that the NPA has not laid any charges or there are no charges against any of the members, neither the, the companies, because there is a clear fraud that has taken place, misrepresentation of facts. There is a crime term for that. And then we get National Treasury. I don't know, Chair, what's wrong with National Treasury. Because National Treasury seems to have been dragging feet to where Bait Bridge issue is concerned. And it's bothering me a lot. Since the first report of DPW, we've been complaining about the facts of National Treasury not being laid bare on the table in order for all of us to understand uh the transgressions financially that have been undertaken uh, by these uh, particular officials and also on the issue of blacklisting they promised to come back to us uh, with uh, the regulations and the process thereof and what would be the progress so far because that was quite a long time ago and then we get also the report of ssa on the vetting, because if you remember correctly, this thing of vetting, all these departments, as much as now DPW is going to be doing it uh, internally uh, as uh, 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 from its own department and also including them, but there's a, a dragging of feet there by SAA, SSA to deal with um, all these SCM involved officials in the space of SAM, all those people, but we need to get a, a progress report from SSA. So that is for your office, Chairperson, because for us to have a clear understanding and to ensure that we put this matter of bait bridge to rest and we're all satisfied by cleaning the house properly. We cannot clean the house properly if DPW keeps makes reference to we're waiting for this one, waiting. Was dragging feet, deal with those people and make sure that we put this thing to its own uh, conclusion. We can't be dealing with Bait Bridge for five years. No, it can't be correct. Now, coming back to the presentation of uh, the acting DG, I'm concerned about the time frames. There seems to be a systematic delay that's being created. He must convince me otherwise if that's not the point. Understanding how internal uh, disciplinary hearings should act and should be conducted, these timeframes do not make sense for me. You are not at court where there are no prosecutors, no judges or magistrates. You, uh, you have identified our appointed presiding officers uh, your your evidence leaders uh, and they have their own representatives. I do not understand then why would a, a DC have a period or a postponement of 
more than a month. I don't understand what is it that the presiding officers and those evidence leaders from your side are busy with if they don't want or they don't have capacity or interest to finalize these cases. We must remember that the tricks, we are very much aware of the tricks that people, most of the people that are on contract, we look at how long the contract is and see if we can't drag this thing until the contract is finished so that we say anyway the contract was finished. We cannot afford to be doing all those tricks by now. Let's make sure that there are no time frames that do not make sense. The postponements have to make sense. They cannot be this long for people who have been set aside to deal with these matters only. That's just how you, you conduct your disease internally. Uh, just lastly, uh, from, from, from the report, is the issue also that was raised by Honorable Fan Minen of the court judgment and that process. I'd, I'm not. I'm not understanding it. I'm not convinced. I do not know what's the issue there. If then it means we have to also get the issues of the NPA involved in that case, where you do not know where you are in terms of your responses or you are also not satisfied with the responses or do these responses from the court make sense to you? Please clarify. Thank you very much. Honorable uh, Somio and Honorable Liz, let's just take the first round of questions and then we'll be done and then come back again. So Honorable Somio, over to you. Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, uh, through this report, I think one appreciates the complexity uh, at play um, on the number of uh, areas um, which are informed by uh, legal aspects uh, that relate to the entire uh, Bay Bridge uh, scenario, uh, which exposes um, how the department itself Responds um, on such transgressions. Uh, for example, you'd find out that uh, the SIU is dealing with uh, civil matters, uh, which is a, a, of a, a great strain, but a, a quite a huge success in as far as that area is concerned. And the, uh, they would have to be those who are charged in terms of the NPA. Um, I think the, in the report, if I got it well, was that one. Um, a case uh, foreseen uh, was reported wrongly in one jurisdiction where it's supposed to be in another area. I think it was Pulukwana rather than reported somewhere else. And, and the one would uh, appreciate to get uh, into knowing what, what, what uh, was that emanating from, uh, knowing very well where such things have uh, somewhat taken place. And, and looking into uh, the actual matters of uh, internal disciplinary processes, which are handled uh, both in the administrative and executive um, line. Uh, others are in the presidency, um, uh, others in the ministerial uh, platform, and others uh, are found uh, purely on the administration side. So, so it, it, lo it looks like the, the, the environment has brought into sight 
how complex uh, the environment has been uh, in as far uh, as those uh, matters uh, are concerned. But uh, what comes up clearly is that if you deal with matters of contracts, uh, those, those matters uh, become administrative uh, in both in terms of uh, um, ensuring success uh, on such contracts uh, and as well uh, looking into uh, the uh, actual pursuance uh, of the uh, legal arenas in terms of the uh, contract detail. Uh, all those matters are matters which are uh, somewhat administrative. So even if you would want to uh, cancel certain contracts, certain things must be done, which I appreciate that some assessment has been done uh, on the two contractors and the reference has been um, to uh, a treasury. And, and therefore, um, I think uh, to what uh, Honorable Mandy has referred to, uh, that uh, Treasury must uh, be able to provide us with a report on those matters which have been referred uh, uh, to them uh, in the same manner as, as, as those platforms which handle uh, these uh, disciplinary hearings uh, in terms of the process. Though uh, it looks like uh, that consequence management uh, is grinding a bit slowly, uh, something which uh, uh, we need to discourage and, and, and um, through the minister, um, that uh, at, at least those who are involved uh, on such processes uh, must be kindled up to uh, fast track such processes because uh, the less you emphasize uh, the actual speed, though observing the quality aspects uh, of such legal matters uh, becomes very necessary in the environment um, of, of your department. So those are the kinds of things that I think we really need to uh, and encourage one way or the other. Can, can uh, please, a, sorry, Babusami, the somebody with a 011, but what, please can you um, mute your mic, please. Sorry about that, Babusami, you can proceed. Honorable, some of you can you may proceed. Muted. I would say that I'm muted in the process. Well, thank, thanks, Chair. Uh, and and uh, in that in that process, would uh, want to see that the ministry um, in in playing the ball um, needs to encourage at all platforms uh, which handle uh, such disciplinary processes at least to observe. A, a better, quicker, qualitative, uh, and uh, prospective success uh, on such uh, matters uh, of, a, of a discipline. Though one appreciates the fact that at least we have seen the start of such matters, but the slowness uh, is not a deterrent. A deterrent uh, will be that will deal with matters, uh, you finalize them, then you look into uh, the following uh, uh, aspects in terms of such uh, uh, matters, both administratively and on the executive and executive side, on, on on the cancellation of contracts, one would want to get to know as to yes, you have made uh, analysis assessment through your internal audit, and they found out that it's difficult to uh, at, uh, to to looking into the stages of such contracts uh, to cancel them, 
and looking into uh, the clauses which uh, would make you to fit uh, such well fine, well and good. Uh, and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure as a scorper would be happy to be informed as to what sort of steps are taken internally to ensure that the remaining contracts of affected contractors, uh, how are they looked at, uh, monitored, and uh, to ensure and guarantee a maximal uh, high quality uh, output uh, a product uh, that relates to uh, what we would want to see in terms of value uh, for money away from what we have uh, uh, know in as far as the fence uh, is concerned. So uh, knowing that they are it's difficult to cancel them, but some measures must be put in place to ensure that the quality aspects are going to be a resultant uh, of what we uh, would want to see at the end of it. One would be happy if we can find a, a, such a, a kind uh, of a properly uh, planned uh, approach out there. Otherwise, um, I want, want to say, I think, uh, with, 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 with the entirety uh, of the report, I think the ministry uh, uh, is um, on the right track, except for um, the matters that relate to uh, speeding up, tightening, uh, all other aspects that relate to uh, the uh, matters that we have raised uh, before. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Bob Samuel. All right, Honorable Lee will be the last one. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, yeah, good to be with you all. Thank you. Mr. Chairman, um, this, this wasteful expenditure on offence um, came about as an urgent project to secure the border from entry of people possibly infected with the COVID-19 infection virus. Now, that hasn't changed. In fact, the situation, in a sense, is worse than it was when the fence was built. Um, the vaccination, mass vaccinations have yet to start in South Africa at all. It's a complete farce at the moment. And Zimbabwe is a similar situation. So now we have public works sort of a year and a bit later saying, well, actually, we're not going to fix this fence. Um, um, it's, it would be wasteful expenditure on already wasteful expenditure. And so the border remains as porous, if not more porous than it was before, given the Minister of Defence's admission, public admission to this committee, that the members of the Defence Force do not stop people coming into South Africa, as is what their job is. They actually assist people to come into South Africa to go and do their shopping and to visit South African clinics. So the question then, Mr. Chairman, is to Public Works, if you're not doing any maintenance on the existing fence and you're taking an incredibly long time to design and get a proper fence put in place, what exactly is the purpose then of the Defence Force being on the border at all? 
and incurring costs which could be put into a fence. So when will a new fence be erected that will be properly secure and prevent people moving illegally into South Africa and moving with possible viruses such as the COVID-19? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right, um, thank you very much, um, colleagues. But, um, just uh, on my side, just two things. Uh, can the, the DG just take us back into a far for more detailed explanation so far as this out of court um, uh, issue is concerned um, as to what that is all about. But secondly, one must register the fact that there is just seemingly a very slow pace uh, or lack thereof of pace in dealing with these issues. A lot has been said in this presentation, but a lot has not been done. A lot has not happened. It's just seemingly there's maybe some hope some in some distant realm that we will forget about this issue. The, the progress report in its entirety is, is certainly not inspiring confidence that consequence management is on a trajectory of progress. It, it sits as, a, as an indictment really to internal processes. Because then quite clearly, we, we are being exposed to the reality that the culture of consequence management has first been absent and none of the others now being triggered to life by uh, this uh, set of unfortunate circumstances coming out of Bay Bridge. But somehow there's a hope that we'll, we'll, we'll forget about. I just don't get a sense that there's urgency. And that's why when the presentation was done, and I have a good so I was just like, well, I was speechless. Hence the the half and puff, which you know. So I I'm I'm not convinced. I'm just I, I don't I'm trying to find the the crux of progress and it's not there. So I hope maybe the responses to the very thorough and detailed questions that members pose will, will give more light. But as things stand now, uh, um, just something is amiss. Uh, and we want this brought to you, as I've said before, a logical legal conclusion with speed and edges. Something's got to give, and I'm not getting it. So let's hope that the responses really clarify us in here. But my initial assessment is not, it's not a positive. Right, so we'll hand over to you, Minister, and Thank you, Mr. Chairman. 
thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Um, I, I want to agree with you, but at the same time, also, uh, I think the, the pertinent question asked by Honorable Mentek and asking that we should, uh, related to the same matter of Baybridge, whether the committee can within a week's time receive a report from um, the SIU, uh, the NPA, uh, National Treasury, SSA, those are all entities that is outside of the control of DPWI. And I want to see clarity from a chairperson. Do you want a DPWI to request those reports on behalf of the committee? Or do you want the committee to request those reports directly from the respective agencies? But whichever way, a chairperson, we are able to, uh, to write to them and to get them the reports from them. Um, because that shows you that uh, the lack of progress or the little progress that there is, chairperson, it's because of the involvement of so many different agencies. And of course, that we are all subject to uh, legal, legal procedures. And please, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying that there are many factors beyond the control of the Department of Public Works uh, that's not in our hands. So if, if Chairperson can maybe give clarity on that, uh, just in terms of National Treasury Chairperson, um, uh, I will just check my records, but um, last year, October, uh, National Treasury uh, sent me a, a, a second report um, after the report that they have submitted to SCOPA. Uh, and I can certainly, if uh, the Honourable Committee did not receive that report, I can forward it uh, to you too. Uh, just a few general questions that I want to answer, Chairperson, and I'll get the, the acting DG to do a deal with the details. Honourable um, Van Minnet raised the issue around the memorandum of understanding. Part of the delay is that all the various departments that must sign the memorandum of understanding is also, the MOU is also linked to the constitutional mandates of the various departments and how we bring all the constitutional legal mandates together in a memorandum of understanding. Uh, Chairperson will know that an honorable members that parliament approved the border management authority uh, uh, agency. And I think there are already an acting uh, commissioner that is being appointed so um, that caused part of the delay of, of the MOU, but we, we follow up on a weekly basis with the Department of Defense uh, to sign the, the MOU. Uh, and they seem that the Department of Home Affairs are seeking further engagement and clarification on the MOU. So we are trying our best from our side uh, to push these things, Chairperson, but 
it's it's not always uh, possible. Just to Honorable Dilks, I will refer him to slide number 16, uh, where the, the question that he's put about the DG, it's in the presentation that we have submitted to the Honorable um, Committee. Um, Honorable Somia, um, like you rightly say, the time frames and the legal time frames, and there is the slow process of the disciplinary processes. I agree with you. Uh, and if you look at the report uh, released by the Minister of DPS Aid, you will see that there are hundreds of people who are currently on, on full pay suspension, but the disciplinary has been dragging on for years. So it almost seems to be a norm with, within government. Um, as far as the ministers responsible for only the disciplinary hearing of the Director General, uh, together with the president of the country, but any official below Director General, uh, the accounting officer is the DG, and uh, the minister is then the appeal authority for, for, for any public servant below the, uh, the, the DG. Uh, and then to honor to honorable Lise, uh, the the question about the decision that we have taken as a department not to repair this fence that is uh, not fit for purpose. But while we have taken that decision not to repair this fence that is not fit for purpose, uh, we have reported to the committee that we are looking at a more long-term solution to fix all of our borders. And on slide number six, uh, you will see honorable Lees that on the 26th of April, we had put out a request for information where we are, and we wanted to test the market to see what is available in the market. And we had received 16 proposals about um, different solutions for the border fence, including how to make use of technology and all of that. So the evaluation committee is now busy to look at those 16 proposals that we've received. Um, they have promised me that by the end of June, and I've asked them to shorten the process, they will recommend three, two or three different options. We will then take those options to the Department of Defense because they, are, they must agree to the specification. And then once we have done that, we will then put out, uh, uh, we will then start the tender procedure. But I just want to inform honorable members, what is also linked to the border fencing, which DPWI is responsible for. We're talking to close by 3,000 kilometers. It is very clear that we are not going to get enough resources from the fiscus to build this fence. And therefore, we have opted to make the, the border fence for the 3,000 kilometers a strategic infrastructure project 
in terms of the Infrastructure Development Act of 2014 uh, in Schedule 2. Once we have gazetted this as a strategic project, uh, together with Infrastructure South Africa, we will then make it a bankable project so that we can go out and look for the money to fund this 3,000 kilometer fence. So that process has started. But linked to the border fence, honorable members, is also the border post, the post of entry. Now, the Department of Home Affairs has made an application for funding to beef up six border posts uh, to the infrastructure fund, which I also chair the infrastructure fund where government has committed 100 billion rand over 10 years. Just last week, Chairperson, we had approved 1.5 billion rand as a start-up to, to deal with the border post at six areas, uh, which is, uh, let me just get them now, but Baybridge is one of them, uh, Labombo is one of them, uh, Eswatini, Lesotho and Botswana. So we are now bringing the, the border post and the border fence together as one project. And as I was saying, the intention is to, uh, to make it a strategic project that will enable us to go out and look for the funding. So on the police, uh, that is what we are attempting to do instead of just fixing this fence that's not fit for purpose, we do have a long-term plan. So, and we can also present that plan to the Honourable Committee. My, my, my last response to the Honourable Chairperson is that uh, in terms of the out-of-court settlement, um, we were just told verbally by the, uh, the SIU, but the acting DG can give more detail there. Because if they want a court out-of-court settlement, uh, DPWI as, as the applicant in the matter together with the SIU, obviously we, we, we have to be consulted before they make that decision. But I will ask the, the acting DG Honourable Chair to, to deal with, with, with some of the, the other issues. And I want to thank the Honourable Members for the questions. And we will try our best, uh, Chairperson, within the time frame and what is within our legal mandate. We will certainly try and speed up the processes. But it's painfully slow. It is just not, especially the consequence management, um, you know, the emails up and down on a weekly basis. But, you know, if, if, if the, uh, the, the, the people who are also appearing before the disciplinary committees, they also have reasons why they can't come. Their legal teams don't pitch up. So it is not an easy process uh, to manage a chairperson, but I will definitely give over to the, the acting DG and the other members of the department to fill in the other details for the honorable members. I thank you, chairperson. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson and uh, Minister. Uh, Chairperson, I'd like to uh, reflect on, on, on some of the questions uh, that were asked by a number of uh, the members of the committee and where concern was expressed in particular around the disciplinary hearings and the request for clarification around the delay as well as the squad process. I have with me Chris Mahoba, he's our Head of Legal Services. Chairperson, with your permission, I'd like him to deal with all those aspects of the disciplinary hearing, why it's taken so long, as well as the court application that is currently delaying the process so that we can clarify there in terms of the request of the members. Thank you, Chair. Chris, over to you. Thank you, Acting DG. Uh, thank you, Minister. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, indeed, uh, it, it is a concern to us as well as the facilitator. But I need to bring to the attention of the committee that the process, when you look at it, it involves quite a number of people. Um, from the official side, you, you would have the, the legal representatives, you have the chairperson, you have the initiator, you have the witnesses. Now, when we determine dates, now the dates have to ensure that they suit the diary of all of these participants. Now, we tried as much as possible from a department point of view, because we are guided by the history uh, that we need to have a, a process that is quite fair. Hence, we had to bring in uh, external people through the Office of the State Attorney. For For in case uh, for and the chairperson who are independent, uh, because there are a number of challenges that we have experienced in the past. For instance, issues like fairness, biasness. Uh, you will remember that uh, the disciplinary actions, by their nature, they are highly contested. Chair. We then said the values that should guide us is fairness, impartiality, and transparency. So we note indeed that there were delays, but these were contested as well during the hearing because other legal representatives will say we have a schedule already, uh, we can't be available there. One employee, remember here we're charging quite a number of people. Some would say we're engaged, we have audit issues, we have this and that. So we try as much as possible to accommodate everyone, although it's not... Uh, always possible. We, 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 we have to find ways in which we cover each other. But I can say in these cases... No, I, no, 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 no. I don't think that is fair on us. A, a, a flexibility-anchored approach to a, a matter of such agency and such seriousness and people are allowed to prioritize other things ahead of this, and particularly employees, I think you need to rethink that kind of outlook uh, and that response to, that com to the committee. It just doesn't fly. Because then people will be giving excuses un until the end of time. That's precisely why I, I, I was expressing a reservation 
about the progress of issues. And quite frankly, what you are saying is just is purely just a Eliza Fair kind of approach. I don't think that response is, is satisfactory. I don't think you, 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 you must continue on that line. It's just, it's not acceptable, actually. That kind of flexibility which is being exercised on this matter. Because then the process is left to the whims of others. I doubt that there would be a failure to coordinate on, 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 such a, on, on such a matter to the extent to which the process must come to what is clearly a grinding halt. No, no, no. Uh-uh. I don't, that, that kind of outlook is not acceptable. I think you need to revisit and rethink that, that, that response before it's expressed in any further. We can't be held to the whims of the people who uh, are the ones who, have, who are alleged to have brought us into this mess. No, no, no. <laughs> Chairperson, we, we, we know your concern. Like I'm saying that, remember the, the process is controlled by the chairperson. Now, as DPW, we also make our submissions. Uh, we propose and we made it clear on the agency of this. And, some, uh, and all of them, they are aware that uh, this process has to be managed on an agent basis. But now, ultimately, the chairperson of the session has to also make a final determination. We, we definitely, of course, make submissions to say this is agent. We have to get sooner dates. But uh, remember, as the chairperson as well, he, he makes a determination taking into account the submissions by all role players. And of course, DG has, has also raised an issue uh, that we, we have also been struggling, especially with witnesses, and, uh, to support our, our case. Remember, here we have the, the technical assessment team as well. Some of them were reluctant to come in and were trying to unlock that with their institutions as well. But from uh, the, the postponing point of view is the issue of all role players, and we're in the hands of the chairperson of the session. Unfortunately, as DPW, we are a party to that, but we can't uh, impose. Now, the chairperson of the hearing is the one who then makes a determination on those uh, postponements. Like we're saying in the current one, the last one, the application was made uh, by one of the, uh, the officials who are charged, brought in an application, and from a DPW side, we have opposed the application. In our view, we indicated that there's no court order preventing us from continuing with the hearing uh, while the review process is there. We have argued our case. Uh, they have also argued their case. And the chairperson came to a, a ruling on the last day to say that indeed he has considered all uh, the arguments and he is of the view that the essence of the review application has a bearing on this process because amongst others, uh, the applicant was seeking to set aside the disciplinary inquiry, to set aside the directive, to set aside the report which gave rise to this. And he indicated that there wouldn't be any prejudice on the side of the Department of Public Works if 
the proceedings are postponed pending finalization of the review and we come back. In effect, in his reasoning is that the parties would have saved cost because if we were to proceed and the application succeed, we would be back to square one. So he made that ruling. We had to consider it with our team to look at it. Should we challenge it? Uh, definitely, if we challenge it, it would be a review. A review in the Labour Court may take more than a year. Now, this application, if we were to oppose it uh, in court, we postpone the matter, and then we finalize this, we'd have an opportunity uh, to proceed with the hearing. We looked at those uh, challenges, Chairperson, and indeed we understand that the, 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 the agency of, of the hearings should be prioritized. But now the issue is to say, if we were to challenge the ruling, we go to the Labour Court. Labour Court process as well, they may take too long. Thank you, DG. Thank you very much, uh, Chris. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I hope uh, Chris has clarified the, the nature of the application uh, and the delay. Um, I'm just moving on to Robert. Robert, we're talking about security clearances. The members of the committee expressed a concern that March 2022 is a far way, a long way uh, into next year. Can you please explain why we've had to plan around March 2022? Please, Robert. Thank you very much, Chairperson and, and Minister and DG, and honorable members and colleagues. Well, let me take uh, the honorable members to through the vetting uh, process. It's a tedious uh, process. Uh, first of all, because uh, it is seen as an intrusive um, investigation, it's important that we conduct uh, awareness indicating the purpose as well as the legal mandate why officials should be vetted. So we take them through workshops and we explain the vetting mandate the step number two, we issue them with the Z204 uh, forms, which are clearance forms. It's quite a big form. They complete and they attach personal documentations, such as your four-month bank statement, qualifications, and all sorts of personal documentation. Thereafter, the files uh, will be taken to the SSA for them to open files and to attach and necessary information, like your traveling, uh, your, your home affairs, population register, and the travel information. Um, the fingerprints are taken to the SAPS for, for them to verify if people have got criminal records. And after that process, the DPWI uh, vetting field work investigators will do the inter conduct interviews with the officials who are vetted, as well as the referees or the references, which are scattered throughout the country. If you, if the official is from KZN, who grew up in KZN, uh, it means we must travel to KZN to interview, to gather information from the people uh, who grew up with the, uh, with, with the official to get reliable information on how they were orientated uh, socially and uh, otherwise. And per one file, we must interview five references. Thereafter, the DPW 
investigators who will come back, type the reports, analyze the reports and make recommendations. And the files are taken to the SSA. SSA will do the following. One, they will conduct polygraph tests to each and every official. And it is also a very lengthy process. And when that is done, the files will go to another unit in the SSA, which is called evaluation unit. They will evaluate all the information gathered by the, by the DPW vetting officers, as well as the information gathered uh, during the polygraph test. And then the evaluators, if there is uh, nothing unto us, or if there are no security threats, they will then um, recommend that clearance will be issued. And the clearances are then taken to the Director General of the SSA to sign, and then they are dispatched uh, to, uh, to, to the department. So this process alone, honorable members, uh, for one file to be finished, um, through experience that I've had, because I was once a vetting officer at the SSA, it, for one person, it will take not less than three months for this process to be finished. It is not something that we can do it in a week or in a day, uh, as I've taken you through all those processes. And therefore, uh, considering that we are talking more than 200, uh, 200 officials here, we felt that the whole financial year will suffice uh, for us as DPWI to collect information and for the SSA as well to Chairperson, I think we may have lost uh, Robert. If I can continue, Chairperson, with your permission. Yeah, I think, that's, I think let's do that. And then when he comes back, he will continue where he left off. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Chair. Chair, we won't cover any issues around the border fence. I think the Minister covered that adequately. I'd like to just touch on a point uh, made by Honorable Somio regarding the, the administrative processes that are required to, to, to be complied with uh, in a cancellation process. And then he went on to ask the question is, how will we ensure value for money from the contractors? And what are the measures we are putting in place to ensure the equality? And Chair, I'd like to, 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 to reflect that uh, the internal audit we've conducted will be visiting uh, 10 of the sites uh, where these two companies operated at. And in fact, they finished visiting seven of the sites. And these uh, processes, together with an assessment of the work done against the invoices, is some of the controls we are putting in place to retrospectively uh, determine whether we receive value for money and going forward whether these companies uh, are capable of delivering on the uh, requirements of their respective contracts. And Chairperson, uh, I just I want to assure the committee and yourself in particular in your comments about the slow pace that in the department, the consequence management is a proud uh, in, in all aspects. The Bay Bridge project is one project. We also have the funerals project as well as uh, a huge undertaking in implementing the recommendations of the Public Service Commission with respect to the unlawful appointments made in the department. We have a case before the Labor Court to uh, reverse the appointment of 12 SMS members. 
And uh, I regret to also announce that we've been waiting now for, I believe it's now two years, for the Labour Court to enroll the matter. Uh, and in the meantime, the minister has communicated with the registrar at these three occasions over the last 18 months. And I know the minister is considering talking to the judge president to uh, inquire into why our case has taken two years to enroll without success. In the meanwhile, 12 members of staff were appointed to SMS positions. They continue to serve in those positions, short of a proper court hearing. And in, in this regard, Chairperson, we now have uh, 30 officials in total between the paid bridge, the funerals, and the public service commission investigation, 30 senior officials who are going through consequence management processes, in addition to the 12 whose positions we are seeking to reverse in the, in the labor court. So the consequence management chairperson, if it's late coming, if it's a late answering of parliamentary questions, if it's payment of suppliers outside 30 days, these are the priorities in the department uh, to bring about discipline and then and, and, and force the culture change. So I want to assure the committee, as the minister has, that we also desire greater speed uh, with respect to the processes. Uh, we are, however, dependent uh, on our partners in the law enforcement agencies and other departments with whom we, we work. Um, and uh, on our side, uh, the consequence management is a priority and we'll continue to ensure that we bring people to account. And we also see these as an opportunity to uh, bring about uh, a message at the senior management echelon levels that uh, misconduct uh, will not be tolerated in the organization. So I want to assure Chairperson, as well as members of the committee, that we are very committed to our consequence management processes, be they the DCs, be they our labor court processes, or restricting companies from doing business with government. We are very serious and we'll continue to do so, Chairperson. Chair, thank you very much. Chairperson, if, if I can just add one last word, um, I want to acknowledge, Chairperson, the weaknesses um, in the system and note the concern raised by the honorable members. Um, we are responding to the recommendations made by SCOPA and that we will continue to work with SCOPA acknowledging the, the weaknesses that we have within the system uh, and continue to give SCOPA a, a, a monthly report. I thank you, Honorable Chair. All right, um, thank you very much. Um, Honorable Turf, Honorable Mente, Honorable Somme, in that order, please. Uh, thank you, wait, sorry. Yeah, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, let me just say, Chair, without going into what we have raised, the Chair, Chair, we are definitely going nowhere slowly with this uh, consequence management processes that I place in this department. Uh, we're really not heading any any direction. But the issue that I want to raise, which I have a serious problem with, the whole Paybridge saga started with a political instruction. And we all saw the letter that the minister wrote to the officials, very prescriptive letter instructing who must do what and what needs to, to, to happen. Uh, the suspended uh, director general was totally bypassed uh, during that uh, instruction, because it was a political instruction. When, when, whatever you call it was instruction, a letter from the minister, very prescriptive, was totally bypassed in that process. And I'm quite shocked that 
to learn now that he's been charged also one of the charges the border bay bridge uh i want to know why is there no political account- accountability why is no politician held responsible or accountable for what took place there uh, uh at the bay bridge border uh, uh the people may smile and 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 think but uh, they don't smile when 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 the hawks charge uh, certain politicians for not playing their oversight where was the oversight uh, uh, on the part of the politicians of the in that department department and in the end of the cabinet and why is no politician being held accountable for this process instead now we send letters to officials officials must now face disciplinary action but officials but where the instruction came from there's no there's no accountability from from there i would like to see accountability from politicians politicians must be held accountable for this mess that are happening in their department for mess that are happening in departments officials politicians must be held accountable too not just officials and this, in this case it was very very clear that letter that started the whole ball rolling in the paper uh, fence thank you chair right honorable mentor yeah thank you chair uh no chair i accept what the minister is 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 explaining and her concerns with everything let me first uh, clarify that um on the reports we need from siu npa national treasury and ssa i would like your office chair to deal with it i think it will be done uh, very quick and because they are sister departments they can be able to be delaying them and all those things but from us let's give them a time frame not let not more than a week and they must get the, those reports going um you know chair sitting here i'm thinking we are now confronted with a similar situation in less than a week's time where we can't get out of contracts with 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 unscrupulous people when i read a, a slide where the department is explaining how the contracts were entered into and which clauses therefore would um, allow them to get out of those contracts and then a question quickly comes to mind that like a situation we faced with the service provider for water that you come you establish an office and you expect to be paid for the establishment of the office but when your idea was not to come here to work your idea was just to come here and be loitering around and not delivering anything thereafter you expect a department to have paid you simply because you have established an office it cannot be that the department cannot raise a serious concern of criminality about these companies because there should be a clause just like you are just like when you rent a house when you when when you when you enter into a lease you will be told you don't rent for this house for this month you forfeit your deposit you enter into criminal activities you forfeit every right you had within the contract it cannot be that then the law still covers you when you are busy dealing with criminal activities in the line of the same duty that you entered a contract for i think we have lawyers that are just lazy i can't like i can't 
the thinking is just too much, man. It, it cannot be that departments are milked money day in, day out because of clauses that people cannot think. You are a criminal, therefore you forfeit a right to be where not getting any benefit of your contract. Simple. We have so many commissions, we have so many levels of arguing this. Like, it's not possible, Chair. I think we have to dig deeper. Minister, no. There, there has to be a way. We can't have criminals having benefits and rights when they have wronged. We didn't say they must be criminals. They were willing to get into an activity of being criminal when they were taking money knowing that we didn't even have a, a, a we didn't have resources, we don't even have equipment, we don't even have the material that we should be building this fence with, yet you get the money, knowing very well that even your scope does not even fit for purpose. That's criminal. It was done willingly. Everyone knew. Can we have lawyers that can argue things properly? Thank you, Chair. Honorable Samia. Thank, thank you very much, Chair. Uh, um, you, I, you see, the, the, the minister's uh, last comment, um, it, it, it defeats my purpose, um, <clears throat> that, that uh, our critique on, on the report um, um, is, is, is taken note of. I want to ask the minister uh, to have a further look uh, into this report of the internal uh, audit, uh, uh, which which is a uh, uh, dealing with these contractors and uh, contracts. Uh, I think they are cited more than ten or about uh, of those uh, uh, contracts which have been assessed, and and it looks like there is no uh, going back uh, on them. If, if indeed some uh, a kind of a modular outlook uh, could be employed uh, to specifically have a microscopic eye uh, on such, and, and uh, maybe through your own uh, reports and further engagements with the committee, uh, uh, provide us with uh, some kind of comfort uh, into such, into, I think, uh, honorable mentor, as he has hit uh, the nail on such a uh, instance on the head that uh, in, in, indeed there is some kind of a, a, a level uh, of suspicion that that uh, the in individuals or companies are dealing with are alleged somewhere that not even somewhere within the department that they have committed such acts uh, there at the courts. Uh, the engagements uh, for or such uh, uh, instances, and and uh, as a causal factor, we are sitting with a product which is not a qualitative product. So, 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 so your last um, intervention in terms of this uh, uh, engagement uh, of uh, uh, noting our concerns and in getting back. I would I would really urge, urge you, uh, Honourable Minister, to have have a look into these uh, 
uh, kinds uh, of things. We have all the reason uh, not to feel comfortable uh, the way things uh, are somewhat uh, being uh, handled. Uh, it, it might be that uh, um, uh, in, the, in the next engagement with the committee, uh, we really need to uh, see some kind of a, a better outcomes in terms of the scope as provided uh, by our, uh, our recommendations, which you have uh, uh, responded to. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. All right, um, Honorable Mente, your last bite. No, thank you very much, Chair. I forgot a point on the explanation of uh, disciplinary hearings. Um, I just forgot the gentleman's name. I think he is from the department. On, on the reasons why they have to afford um, their employees that time. It, it, it's very related to what I said earlier. The Code of Good Practice under Schedule 8 of the Labor Relations Act tells you what to do as an employer. You can't play shop steward yourself. You really cannot. It states reasonable time. Reasonable time was already afforded to the employees in the first place. They made their submissions. They requested document. That was reasonable time. They are going to ask for postponements. You are going to grant them. Ask postponement, grant them. But you have to get to a point where you stop all of it. You have the law on your side as well as an employer. You cannot, you cannot be held at ransom because you, you fear, your fear of breaching the right of an employee. They have given all the reasonable time to state their case. And therefore your presiding officer must also just get in touch with what, what is it that is available to utilize on the side of the department. Because if, if you continue like this, we are going to get to December of 2021, again, still dealing with the same matter. And really, it, it's not it's not it's not what you are explaining. What you are explaining is contrary to what the labor law says of this country. We are ruled by the laws of the country. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Um, thanks, colleagues. Um, Minister, I, I think you 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 have um, captured our reservations and concerns. Uh, correctly, um, and um, we 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 stand by that because because ultimately, what we want is for consequence management to run its course, and hence I was saying earlier on it is clearly dawning on us that you are settled with the department where consequence management was an exception and not a norm and so now it, you we, we here we are seated with a, a foreign uh, species in the department called consequence management and that's why things are not moving so there's kicking for touch uh, this obfuscation, 
and you've got employees who are wanting to dictate the terms of their disciplinary process. And on, honestly, honestly, honestly speaking, I, I think um, we, 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 today we are not uh, wholly convinced or have derived any comfort uh, in so far as the report that has been presented. The suggestion by Honorable Mente, um, which you've also alluded to, uh, Minister, we will action that on our side and we will structure the broader meeting accordingly where all these role players are, are concerned on their respective areas of reporting that will be required. So National Treasury, the SIU, um, the State Security Agency, um, amongst others. Um, so we will we will definitely uh, deal with that matter, and of course the presidency, uh, insofar as the matters related to the the DG are concerned, and the disciplinary processes which are to take place in that regard. But quite frankly, uh, that the department must move with the with the speed that inspires confidence that. It owns this process because I I I I I just get a sense that um, it may just be saying we are doing this because Parliament said so. No, it must be done because it must be done. It's the normal course of work. Uh, it, it can't be just a, a matter of ticking the boxes. It has to be done thoroughly, and I think that is the, you know, the the the, the reservation that members have about the process. So, right, Minister DG, let's get responses from you, and then we'll wrap it up. Colleagues will determine a way forward at that point. Thank you, thank you, Honourable Chairperson, um, and thank you to Honourable Mente also for the constructive uh, proposals. Um, if I can start with Honorable Mente, uh, she, because she sums it up correctly, Chairperson, our problem in government is that we spend a lot of money afterwards to find out what went wrong by commissions and, 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 and all kinds of other methods that, that we use. What, what we need to change is that we need to put the systems in place that can prevent and detect corruption. And like for instance, in 2019, I introduced two policies into the department, which is consequence management and contract management. Now it is then for implementation by the department. Honorable Mente is right. The, if you look at the contracts that government enter into with service providers, there are hardly any penalty clauses or not enough penalty clauses. You find that the way the contracts are structured, it's more to protect the service provider. And therefore, I think in the whole of government, because I have asked our department, to review all the contracts 
so that we increase the number of penalties for poor service delivery or for poor performance because that impact on service delivery in the end. And the legal department must, our own legal department that I've requested before already, need to look at the type of contracts that we have because they also differ from contractor to contractor. I'm not sure you know, what criteria we use to decide that this contractor get a different contract from the other. So, so she, she's 100% correct there. And that the department's internal audit must now also speed up the review of all of these contracts so that we strengthen the contracts and we build in penalty clauses they can protect government and not only the, the service provider. Also, our chief financial officer, Mandla Sutoli, he also, a chairperson, has introduced a system whereby he makes sure that before the finance department uh, transfer any payment, to make sure that he verify that in fact that we did receive uh, the necessary uh, uh, work for what we must be paying. So uh, the systems are slowly beginning to kick in chairperson. We also have now got uh, uh, independent companies that help us to do due diligence on these big contracts, including that I have instructed our legal department that the legal department should be involved in the tender process right from the beginning and not at the end where they just sign off. So we are beginning to see some, some little improvement, Chairperson, but like I acknowledged uh, earlier on, that certainly um, uh, there, there is a room for, for improvement with all of these uh, this weaknesses. So, um, and concerning the speed, Chairperson, that you raise, I do agree with you that we need to move with speed. Um, just to give you one example of the design of, of our government processes, if a submission must come to the minister, it can take any time up to three weeks to a month to go through the whole root form that everybody must sign. Finally gets to the minister, I make some changes, is go back through that same root form. So we are reviewing the systems, a chairperson, and, and with the help of National Treasury, we now want to bring in technology because there's also been a resistance in the department to technology and overlay our processes with uh, ICT. Uh, the last question raised by, by Honorable Dilt, he has raised this many times uh, before. And uh, just to remind him that in terms of a proclamation that was issued by the president, even after the investigation that the, the department launched uh, with, um, with assistance of the SIU, the president issued a proclamation. And he just has to be patient because the SIU 
will then make recommendations to the president. And it's for the president of this country to decide how he is going to respond to that recommendations. But it is misleading to say that the directive issue for the minister led to corruption, led to irregular expenditure, led to wasteful expenditure. Nowhere in that letter does it give anybody in the department the right to be corrupt. In fact, it was the minister who started the first investigation when I saw the red lights flickering. On the 20th of April, I wrote to the AG. On the 25th of April, I started our own investigation assisted by the SAU. On the 25th of April, again, I stopped all the payments. So if the honorable member wants to imply almost lead the country that in any way I benefited from this. I've said, to, I've said it to him before, he must come with the evidence. But Chairperson, I've also got my own dignity that I need to protect. And I will not allow anyone to insinuate that I was the cause of corruption. You do come with the proof. Because this question, if the same member raised every meeting chairperson, he raised it over and over again. And so that is my response because I've also got a right to protect my own name and my own in, in integrity. I will give over, I agree with Honorable Somnia uh, that we, we have to look at the contracts and that we have to look again how we speed up the scope of work that SCOPA has given us to do. And I will be uh, in a week's time, uh, 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 right to the Honorable Chairperson of SCOPA to explain to the uh, Chairperson exactly how we are going to do it to, so that we can make sure that when we come back to SCOPA, that SCOPA uh, is satisfied with what we are reporting um, uh, to the honorable members and to the honorable committee, and that we acknowledge those weaknesses and we will work together with uh, the committee on those weaknesses. So thank you to all the members for your constructive inputs and I look forward to working with you. I will now give over to um, the, the acting DG to deal with any outstanding issues that I've not dealt with. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson. Chair, Chairperson, on a point of order, I did not want to call the order while the minister was on the floor because I did not want to uh, uh, interrupt the minister. So I decided to hold on with my point of order, but I want to call it now because I did okay. not want to. Um, I did All not right, want you may proceed. I did not want to interrupt the minister. Yeah, thank you, Chair. Uh, uh, Chair, uh, yes, indeed, I've raised this, this matter many, many times. And uh, at all times when I raise the chair, uh, at no time stage did I ever imply that uh, the minister benefited financially. I've never ever made such a thing. So I think that is very misleading for the minister now to come and say, if, if I am trying to imply that she benefited financially, I must bring the proof because there's never ever that I have ever made such an uh, uh, imply such a thing that the minister benefited uh, personally, uh, financially in the, in, the, in, the, in the matter. So that is totally wrong. But I just want to point out to the minister, uh, whether people, can, uh, the executive wants to get emotional or, or angry, 
but we will play, and I, but in particular, will play my oversight role over the over the executive, and I will put these questions uh, to the executive at all times. And I, I do it to all ministers. I put these questions to uh, uh, to to them. So uh, it's uh, it's nothing personal. I, do, I will do it without fear or favor. I'll put these questions at all all times because I believe that there was no uh, oversight played by the political head of that department after that uh, prescriptive letter went out to the officials. Where, my question is, where was the political oversight thereafter by the political head of that de- de- department? And uh, I will ask that uh, at all times, material times, and uh, I will do it without fear. And uh, I'm doing my playing my oversight role. Whether executive wants to get emotional about it, I will play my oversight role. Thank you, Jay. Um, colleagues? Um, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. Um, see on the ministerial examining before us because we had asked them to look at it and they ran past the shadow, um, not wanting to commit to any particular sort of assessment or determination in so far as the ministerial instruction was concerned and two there is an investigation uh, broadly on the matter so let us uh, allow for that process to run its course and we firmly keep the matter on the radar as we are keeping all matters on the radar on this uh, issue the dg's matter the ministerial advisors matter and the um, uh, officials that 12 officials who are implicated on this. All those matters combined uh, are are what we are expecting to be brought to a legal, logical conclusion. Um, And um, at that point, when it's done, it will provide the necessary clarity and it will clear uh, the the names accordingly where it should do so. And it will implicate uh, accordingly where it must. And we want successful prosecutions and we want contract management to be reviewed and we we are expecting um, that uh, these things be done with speed and haste precisely because for so long as they are held in abeyance or there's a Liza Faye attitude, the dark cloud continues to hang on everybody. So it is in the interests of all the stakeholders of the department that this be done. Two, if there are people who are suspended, or uh, on leave because of this is losing money to people sitting at home. Variables in this uh, a lot. And I think Honorable Somu used the right word, the complexities of the matter uh, 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 as such uh, of a serious nature. So let us uh, leave that matter there. Honorable Dex, let's get National Treasury in to provide an explanation and for the investigation uh, to, 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 to be sorted out. And the minister, uh, as we had said before, will uh, subject herself to that process as well um, to explain the nature and the circumstances of the ministerial instruction that she gave. So the matter is very much alive and we will deal with it um, accordingly. So, um, yeah, as said, it's not a personal matter and we will uh, hold it in abeyance in that regard until we've exhausted all those uh, matters. And then 
Can we now get the acting DG to give the responses that were required as the minister had handed over to him? Um, and then um, we will proceed uh, after that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Uh, Chair, from our side, I believe the minister has concluded. Uh, she covered all the second round of questions, and I don't have anything to add from my side. Thank you, Chair. Chairman. Hello. Yeah. I, I missed what the DG said there. I think he, on my end there was a problem. He's done. Because the minister is done. Okay. All right. Nope. Right. That's fine. Colleagues, are there any further issues that you would like to raise? All right. Let us, let us conclude in this fashion. Um, colleagues, um, uh, we will, uh, Minister and your team, if there are any issues that you would like to raise and clarify with us, let us give you a week to do so. Um, and then that can be made in a written submission, the, the issues that you had um, spoken about next week, Tuesday. What we will do on our side is process the uh, soliciting of information from the SIU, the NPA, State Security Agency, and National Treasury, and the Department of Defense on all matters which are pertinent to this uh, Bay Bridge issue, and uh, and then in the presidency, insofar as the DG is concerned, um, and then we will set a date, maneuvering Parliament's program, um, because budget votes are currently uh, taking place soon. So that, that will interrupt the normal programming of parliament because budget votes take uh, priority. Uh, and so it may mean that a, a graveyard session colleagues where all these stakeholders will come in and each of them to explain uh, themselves on the respective areas um, which uh, they, they've got a role to play. Uh, and so, but I think, Minister, what we want clarity on uh, is on the disciplinary process, a timeline uh, of uh, 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 dates as to when these things will be happening. And I think, colleagues, what we will do, uh, we will make a determination next week once we've received the input of the department and the ministry and then make a determination as to how much more time we are giving this disciplinary process. And uh, acting DG, this falls squarely at your doorstep. We will hold you directly accountable if this process does not move with the necessary speed and urgency. You need to employ the necessary resources and expertise to deal with this matter, because failure to do so sets into motion a precedent which says consequence management is negotiable. And this is a, is a black mark on the department of epic proportions. The Bait Bridge debacle 
at this point in time exists as one of the gravest indictments on the PPE-related procurement when COVID arose. It's a disgrace. It's in your interest to sort it out because it will always be the yardstick measure upon which we judge you by insofar as how you turn things around and correct the wrongs. So it can't be open-ended in the manner that it is. Notwithstanding the complexities and the, and, and the explanations and excuses that we've received, um, and we, we will assist the process by making sure that your counterparts in the respective spaces of government in the state do that which they need to do. But at the forefront is yourselves. <clears throat> you, you just, I, I think, that they be no And I can assure you, we are not going to remove this matter on our, of our purview. Because if there's a hope somewhere that we're going to forget, then you are wholly mistaken. Um, there's no kicking for touch here. There's, this matter remains firmly on, 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 <clears throat> on the table. We would not have gone to Bait Bridge if it was not a serious matter. We went there precisely because we recognized the ripple effects of a failure to punish. So I, 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 I'm, I'm really just putting that there on the table. The, the issues that have been raised uh, are to enhance the process, but also to, as a reminder, that this matter is of priority importance. There is no two ways about it. So I think and hope that the next report must not come here to us and we hear the same things. There has to be movement. So acting DG and your team, um, in, in your weekly meetings, if you have them, make sure that this is always on the agenda item. Because we just have to deal with this thing and, 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 and get past it. There are other matters which are affecting the department which we have to deal with. We can't be coming back here all the time to be dealing with bait breaches if it's the only issue. There were matters which had been raised about the Cape Town office and the utilization of cleaning staff on the processing of invoices. So the human resources aspects of the department require our attention. The assets register requires our attention in the department and so on and so forth. And all the other issues that may have been raised by the, the, the AG so this must not now exist as the, uh, an island of focus uh, in a sea of a large number of, of, of shortcomings and problems within the department. So Minister, we will give you the, the opportunity to provide the written explanations and responses that you wanted to deal with. We can get those next week, um, let's say next week, Wednesday, close of business. 
um, and then we will, in the interim, be interacting with the other stakeholders as I've already enumerated. Um, and then they will be given a deadline. And once we've consolidated all the information, we will set a date uh, within the next uh, two to three weeks uh, once we've received all that information and have this session so that we can unblock uh, where there are issues uh, so that your process can move. So I think colleagues, can we uh, concretely leave it at that? Uh, colleagues, is, is, is that acceptable? It's fine, Chair. Okay, Chair. Okay. All right. Minister, let me take this opportunity and thank you and your team uh, for appearing before us this morning. Uh, and uh, we will be uh, in touch uh, on yeah. those matters. Uh, colleagues, there is a sitting this afternoon at 1400 hours. So I think maybe it's good that we finish uh, in good time. Uh, Honorable Dex, on the issues that you have raised in so far as the ministerial instruction is concerned later, we will pursue that uh, with the relevant authorities. Um, so it will form part and parcel of this multi-pronged approach that we are, we, we are raising, uh, we are developing so that uh, all the aspects con combined will bring this matter to a conclusion. So I hope that is in order. Colleagues, having said that, Tomorrow, we'll be receiving a briefing from the AG, uh, and I'm sure the documentation on, on, S, on UIF compensation fund, amongst others. So that will be tomorrow. On that note, have a wonderful afternoon. We'll day further, and we'll meet tomorrow. The meeting stands at the end. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Thank you. 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 Thank you